0: You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, go to cbcsavannah.com. Father, we simply come to you this morning uh, in the name of your Son and by your Spirit. We know we have access to you through him, uh, that you have opened our eyes, that you have made us see your glory and your goodness. And so I just uh, resonate with Ethan's prayer this morning that, that this group of people would just experience the joy of the gospel the joy of our savior the joy of our god uh, who wants us to know and to experience your love and your grace uh, and your presence and so i just pray now as we open your word that you would speak to us through it that the words that jesus spoke two thousand years ago that they would jump off the pages to us that they would be real that they would uh, just make it into our not just our minds but our hearts so that we can follow them and listen to them and they can change us and so i ask that your spirit would would just help me uh, a sinner a needy person to proclaim the truth of the gospel it's hard for a broken person to proclaim that which is true and perfect and so uh, I just need your spirit to to move and so I pray it in the name of Christ and for his glory amen all right before we jump in just real quick um, I've never done this before so we're gonna do it today Miss Linnell is one of our senior members I don't know how senior she is but she's one of the most senior she had an 85th birthday yesterday, is it yesterday? And she was a member of South Gardens before, you know, long before this that build- we were in this building. So I thought, you know what, Miss Linnell, maybe the oldest member, I don't know for sure, but we won't check the records, but we should sing happy birthday, Miss Linnell, all right? So let's say, Miss Linnell, you're gonna have to stand up for us though. Stand up, come on girl. All right, Miss Linnell, here we go. All right. Now some twelve-year-old is going to come up to me next week. Hey, it's my birthday next week. <laughs> Sorry, kid. Yeah, wait seventy years and we'll call you. All right. All right. We're in Luke chapter twenty this morning. Luke chapter twenty. If you have a Bible, what's we're at? If you have one of the ones in front of you in the pews or eight or pews the seats. Eight seventy-nine. Page eight seventy-nine. One of the things that happens when my parents come to town, uh, they come down to a couple times a year, is my, my dad loves to play games with my kids, especially card games. Some of the two youngest kids especially. And so he will be in the other room for hours and they will just play all sorts of games. I mean, he's taught, he's teaching them bridge I'm like I don't want to play bridge I know some of you have bridge clubs yeah great I'm excited but they play so he's teaching them rummy you'll hear hearts going on the other room and it's whenever someone gets the queen if you know how to play hearts it's like oh and somebody cries and it's always you know there's always tears and he gave me the queen and you know so uh, one of my favorites though is is spades love me some spades I'm a Yankee who likes spades all right so if you're from the north maybe you don't know how to play but here's kind of the big picture of spades right in 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 30 seconds or less. The goal is to take as many tricks as you can. You bid before the hand starts. You say, I'm gonna take six tricks and you try to take six tricks, right? And there's 13 in a hand, right? So the goal is to get as many as you can and spades is the trump card, all the spades. So it doesn't matter if you have the ace of hearts or the ace of clubs, a two of spades because it is a spade is more powerful and thus takes that card. And so anything that's a spade takes a card and that means there's one card in the deck. It is the most powerful card. When this card comes out, it wins every time. And that is the ace of spades, right? The death card, right? The the ace of spades trumps everything. Boom, when this is thrown down, it doesn't matter, ace of hearts, ace of clubs, whatever else, king of spades, queen of spades, jack of spades, the ace of spades takes it all. Most powerful card in the deck when you're playing the game of spades, right? Luke chapter 20 the Pharisees are gonna be playing some games and they wanna try to get Jesus to play them games with them. And and, and they think they can win and they think they got a good hand. And every time, just when they think they're like, you're gonna take the trick, Jesus is like, bam, ace of spades. (laughs) Every time. It's just, it's one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. Just when they think we got Jesus set, boom, ace of spades. And everyone's like, boom, right? It's like mic drop, right? And so we're gonna look at this chapter. Chapter of the Pharisees playing games, and here's why. Because they play the same games that we like to play. Some of us like to play religious games. I like to play religious games. Not like Bible trivia religious games. (laughs) But the games that they play are sometimes guilty of the the people inside the church. And so what we want to see is, how can we avoid playing these games? Because when we play these games, here's the thing about spades. Spades is a team game, that's why I love it. When, I, when you have a good partner. If you don't have a good partner, I hate spades. <laughs> right? Dude, if they don't know how to play, they'll, they'll, you know, put them on the other team. But if you have a good partner, it's great to play spades. But here's the thing. Jesus is the ace of spades. Do you want to play on his, on his team or do you want to be his opponent? That's the question. Because he's going to win every time. He's got the ace. Right? So we want to be a group of people who, who are not playing against him, but we are on his team. Because he's got the ace. So let's jump in and see these three games. Three games in this chapter of scripture we're going to highlight. We're going to work through pretty quick. And where we've been, if you missed a couple weeks. Last week, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It's Palm Sunday. That's Sunday before the Good Friday that he will be killed. Just a few days before the cross. And he, he goes into the temple. He goes MMA on all the people. Throws them out. And then he sits down being in charge. He has taken his seat of authority inside the temple. Right? And he is teaching. And it's interesting, Luke doesn't really focus on Jesus' teaching much uh, throughout the week. You can look at some of the other Gospels and they kind of, especially Matthew and Mark, they highlight some of the things Jesus taught. This is one of the only things we get from Jesus' teaching in the temple in this last week. So let's jump in to game number one, which is found in in verses 1 through 18. All right, verse verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us by what authority you do these things. Who, who is it that gave you this authority? All right, here's where, here's where, here's where Jesus is right now. All right, this is a model of the temple, all right? This is the holy, holy place. This is where only the high priest and those could go. This is probably where they're at. This is called the, the court of Israel. Out here is the court of the Gentiles, right? So anybody could go there, but he's probably in here somewhere, and there's just people all around him, surrounding him. All right. And usually those people were there to see the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests and stuff But no one's paying attention to them They're kind of off on the side wearing their funny little robes And their ephods and their funny hats and all this stuff And here's Jesus over in the corner And just hundreds of people just listening to him as he's teaching And it's driving them mad And so they go up and say Who, who are you that you do this? We know, they know his pedigree They know that he is a son of a, of a Galilean carpenter Or at least he's the stepson They know where he's from. They have the Levitical background. They have the the Aaron, the blood from Aaron. That's their deal. And so they're saying, who gives you the the right to come in here and clean this place out? Who gives you the right to come in here and sit and teach where we're supposed to be teaching? And so they ask him this question, who gives you the authority? And so he answers them, I will ask you a question. Very Jesus-like. Answers the question with a question. He says, tell me, was the baptism of John, that's John the Baptist, was that from heaven or from man? I.e., was John the Baptist sent by God or was he just kind of this dude that shows up? And then they get you, know, you just picture him like, come right? And so they gather in the corner. And we get a kind of snap picture of what they say. They say, what are we going to do? If we save from heaven, if we save from God, then they're going to be like, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from man, then all the people are going to stone us because they convinced John was a prophet. So they do what all politicians and religious people do when they get together in a room and try to figure something out. They come back, looking all official, and they say, our official position is, we do not know what our position is. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, we don't know where it came from. Right? They're scared because this. But here, here's the thing. They do. That, they know what they believe. They don't believe John was from God because they rejected it but they're so scared of the people they don't want to tell them that right and so Jesus says okay well then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things right now that wasn't the ace of spades the ace of spades is coming that was like the queen all right but here's what he does he says I'm not going to tell you where my authority comes from and then what he's going to do he's going to tell them where his authority comes from but he's going to do it through a parable And so he looks at all the people and he says, a man planted a vineyard. Now understand, again, I've told you this before, when they hear anything about a vineyard, they immediately get the imagery that vineyard means Israel. Because in the Old Testament, that was a common picture. It's kind of like, you know, bald eagle. We think, America, barbecue, America, NASCAR, Southern America, (laughs) right? Okay, but it's so that the picture for them when they hear vineyard is us. Right? Right out of Isaiah. So a man planted a vineyard, lent it out to tenants, and went to another country for a long while. And when the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard, but the tenants beat him and sent him away. And each one of these servants pictures a prophet, like a Jeremiah or an Isaiah, who every time would come with God's message and they would reject him or they'd kill him or they'd throw him out. And so he sent another servant, they beat him and treated safely, and they sent him away empty-handed. And he sent a third, and this one they wounded and cast out. And so the owner said, what? What do I do? Ah, I will send my son, my beloved son. My special is the idea. The one of a kind son. And and this perhaps they will respect him. It's stronger in the Greek text. It's like surely, surely they'll listen to this guy. He's my son. And this picture is, by the way, the patience of God. How patient was he with Israel? Hundreds of years, hundreds of prophets. Just keep sending them. So he does. In verse 14, and the tenant saw him, they said, this is the heir, let us kill him. So the inheritance will be ours. And so they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Notice the order, they throw him out and then they kill him. It's a picture of what's going to happen to Jesus in a couple of days where they take him outside the city and they kill him. And then he asked this question, it's rhetorical, but it's, it's strong. He says, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? And it's like, you can picture Jesus with this pause. What do you think he ought to do? Don't answer. I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyards to others. And when they heard this, they say, it, it, it's Greek, it's super strong. It's nota. It's the same thing Paul says with, in Romans 6. Should we keep sinning that grace may increase? Meganotai. No way. It can't happen. No, that's not going to happen. Braves aren't going to win the World Series. It's not going to happen. can't happen. Right? It's, it's super strong. Why? Because they know he is talking about them. And, and taking, the, it, taking the nation away from them, taking the blessing away from them, and they get it. And then Jesus looks right at them. And the word for looked directly is a strong word. It's like he gazes into their soul. This is a serious look. He says, what then is this that is written? He said, what does it mean then? And he quotes Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He said, if this is not going to happen, then why does the psalmist say it's going to happen? That the that the big stone that the that the builders said, we don't like that one, that one doesn't meet our our specifications, we don't want this, get rid of that stone. That becomes actually the most important stone in the whole deal. The first stone laid down, the thing everything else rests on, everything else is built on it. Then if, if this is not true, Mr. Pharisee, then why does the Bible say that it is true? That is the ace of spades, right? He throws it down. This is what scripture says. Yes, it will happen. And everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it'll crush it. The idea there is the the stone wins either way. Whether you fall on it or it falls on you, stone wins. And what Jesus is saying is, I got the ace. I'm the cornerstone. You're gonna play on my team? Are you going to play on the opposite team? Right? And so they immediately understand he's talking about them. The scribes and chief priests sought to lay hands on him. That's not like Bible church laying hands. We're going to lay hands and pray for you. This is like lay hands and strangle you. Right? At that very hour, for they perceived he had told the parable against them. But notice the last phrase. But they feared the people. That's the second time we've seen it. They, they were afraid. Here's the first game. It's the fear of man game. We can call it the game of approval. Right? It's the fear of man. They, they don't want to tell people what they really think. Why? Because they're scared of the people. They don't want to really do to Jesus what they want to do to Jesus because they're scared of the people. It's a fear of man thing. They don't have guts. And how often for us does the fear of man keep us, cripple us, from, from, from following what, what God would have for us? The desire to be liked, not rejected, esteemed. And it puts us on the wrong team. Now you see, we see this all the time. We see, we get a great picture of this in Hollywood this week, right? Where this dirtball Weinstein or whatever his name is, everyone knows he's a dirtball for the last forty years, and no one does nothing about it. Why? Because they want a job. I want to be in the next movie, so they don't do anything about it. It's the fear of man. It's the same. That's what it is, right? And now oh, now everyone, oh, I cannot believe. Yes, you can. You knew all about it. You just wanted to be in the next Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't blame you. But that's the the heart of it Right, it's the fear Or we see it in in business offices Where where there's just some some shady practices going on And and everyone's doing it And and this guy feels bad about it But he doesn't want to come out and say it Because then he might lose his job Or or he might not get the promotion So it's the fear of man Or it's it's the the kid in high school or middle school Who's who's taking the bio test And the guy next to him says Hey, what's number four? I don't know what an atom is You're going to fail if you don't know what an atom is But that's another story because that person's popular, or that I don't, I don't want them to think I'm a nerd, I'm not cool. It's a fear of man. Or maybe you're the parent, and you're scared to tell your kids no, because everyone else is letting them kids do it. Ah, you know, and I don't want to be the square parents, we don't want to be the, the, the nerdy parents. Right? It's a fear of man. Or you have a friend that's headed down this road, it's, it's a train wreck, you can see it happening, but you're scared, because you don't want to say anything, because uh, you know, I want them to like me. Or, or God maybe has opened up this great opportunity for you to talk about spiritual things to someone, Somebody's maybe you can pray for someone, maybe you can encourage someone with some truth, but you're like, I, if I do that, I don't know what they'll think about me, right? It's all over. Maybe it's, maybe it's you gravitate to this group of people over here because they can help you move up the social ladder and you're gonna ignore this person over here who really needs a friend, who really needs somebody to just Take them out to lunch or sit at the lunch table with them at the cafeteria. But, but this is the cool people. So we're going to sit with the cool people because they can make me look better instead of going here. It's for your man. Or even it's, and this, this is a biggie. Even there's, there's this brokenness inside and you're just, everything is a wreck in your soul. But everyone at church seems so happy. Because Georgia didn't play yesterday so they couldn't lose. So everyone's so happy. Sorry, Miles, I didn't mean that. <laughs> But but really, we're all just putting on a shiny, happy people. In the words of REM, that's an '80s band for some of y'all. <laughs> that we just, we, well, I don't want to, I don't want to act like our deal is so bad because, or my, that I, my teenagers are so this, or because then everyone will think that that I'm just this wacko bad Christian. And it's the pretend, it's 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 the fear of man game, right? And and, and we, all, we all desire to be like. I desire to be like. That's my, one of my biggest flaws, So as I, as I hate not being liked, right? I mean, we, we have a culture of like, 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 and friend, 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 and, you know, you know tweet, 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 and all these things, and we want the, and, and so I, I don't think necessarily that's horrible, but, but the reality is the further the culture and, and, and the, the gospel kind of split off, the more and more you're going to be unfriended and unliked. We, but we, we, we have that desire. We're like the great theologian Rocky Balboa. Who, in, in, in the first movie, if you remember the first Rocky, uh, the night before he's about to fight Apollo, he goes to Adrian and he says, if I could just go 15 rounds with the champ. 15 rounds. No one's ever gone 15 rounds with the champ. If I could just go 15 rounds, then I'll know that I'm not a bum. It's like, that's, what, that's us. If I could just this, then everyone will know that I'm not a bum. And you've got to understand you're not a bum even if you, don't, if you go two rounds with the champ. Because, because of who you are in Christ, that is where our identity, our value, and the image of God. And so we don't have to perform and we don't have to make everyone happy. In fact, the writer of the Hebrews, I love it, he says this. He says, keep your life from the love of money and content. But notice, for he has said, this is God speaking to you now. Take this, church. I will never leave you or forsake you. Think about that. I will never leave you. I will never betray you. Friends will family will and then here's our response so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me actually that is a quote from Psalm 118 which is the very psalm that Jesus is quoted from the Lord is my helper who I don't need to fear what can man do to me what's the worst he can do because because you're on the same team with the cornerstone with the rock with the one who's got the ace right? Peter uses this text in in 1 Peter 2. He says, it stands in scripture, I I lay a stone in in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor, listen to the language, not to shame, but there's honor. And then he quotes the stone which the builders rejected. What's what's Jesus saying? You want to be on my team or you want to be over here? I don't need you to impress me. I don't need you to, to earn my approval. My approval is seen that I sent my son to die for you. That's my approval. Right? And so for us, just rem- as a reminder, hey, the fear of man or to follow. That, that's a game. Are we playing it? Look at the second game. found in chapter 20, 19 through 26. So they watched him and sent spies. Love that. Who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so they can deliver him up to the authority. And, and so they ask him, listen to the language here, teacher, sounds so spiritual, teacher, rabbi, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. And, and it sounds so spiritual, it's churchy language, you we know you're good and right and the Bible is true and all these things. And so they have a question, is it therefore, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Right? And the idea of tribute is what they call the poll tax. Rome would, call, would every year tax its subjects, not its citizens, but its subjects, those who had conquered. This is why there's always censuses going on, right? You know, in, in the first year of Tiberius, blah, 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 there's a census. Why? Because Rome wants to know how many people it can tax. So you would pay what is called a denarii tax every year to Rome. And so what these guys are asking is... Is it, and and the word, is is it lawful? The idea there is, what does the Bible say? What does Moses say? Bill, what does the Bible say about taxes? That's the idea. It sounds so spiritual, right? You're like, oh, it's a good question. No, it's a trap, all right? It's a trap. This is the best slide I ever made. I'm coming back to it all the time, okay? It's a trap, right? Because if he says, Yes, it's good to go. Then all the people who hate Rome are going to be like, I thought he was on our side. And if he says, no, don't pay it, then and they could say, okay, soldiers, take him away. Because there's a bunch of soldiers right outside that temple. And so he perceived their craftiness. You'd think they'd learn. You'd think they'd learn. They've tried to trap Jesus for three years now. They can't do it. You'd think they'd learn, but they don't learn. So what does he do? He says, show me a Daenerys. Show one to me. Who's got one? Peter, you got one? And so they pull one out. Says whose likeness and inscription does it have? Okay, here's a picture of a denarius. I showed you two before. This is actually the, the very denarius, probably, that was, was used at this time. This is from Tiberius Augustus, and he reigned till about thirty seven AD, and so it was a two sided coin. It basically says that Augustus is God. He's divine on the back. Right? So it's it's a symbol of just submission and tyranny against the Israelites. And so so there he, he says, Show me one of those. Okay, who is that guy? Oh, it's gone. Who is that guy? And they're like, that's a dumb question. Everyone knows who that guy. That's Caesar, right? And so then he's going to pull out his ace of spades. He says, then render to to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and the gods are things that are gods. And everyone's like, oh, my job. Ace of spades. He's got the ace. Because they were looking for an either or, this or this. And what did he give them? He gave them a both and, this and this right? right. It, it, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant response, and this is about as political as Jesus ever gets, by the way, because every, you know, and here's, here's the, the, two, the two extremes we see in the church, which is a shame, because now evangelicalism has been linked with politics, which is sad to me, but we either have those who, who, who try to use God as a shield so they can be obnoxious and disrespectful to the government, and that's some of y'all. And then the other side is some of y'all who think that the government is the solution to all of earthly problems, both physical and mental, and neither is the case. What Jesus' position on politics is, obey the government unless they call you to sin, period. And so taxes, by the way, is actually not a spiritual issue, even though I'm all for low taxes. But it is not a Christian issue. Now, there are issues that are, marriage, abortion, things like these, but th- money ain't one of them. Jesus says, give them to Caesar, right? But here's why the argument is brilliant. This is why the answer is brilliant. Because what he is saying, and the language is a little bit clearer for the, for the Hebrew reader and in the, in the original text. He's saying, that which bears the image, it's the same word we use when we talk about the image of God, that which bears the image of Caesar, give it to Caesar. It's his. And that which bears the image of God, give it to him. It's, it's a brilliant statement. He's saying, Caesar's got his picture on the coin. Give him the coin. You are in the image of God. So give him you. That's what he's saying. It's, it, and that's why it's like, mic drop, ace of spades. I mean, it's, just, it's just brilliant. And so they, they can't say anything. They just marvel and become silent. Right? And here, here's, the, here's the second game, though, that they're trying to play. It's the pretend game. To pretend that I have great interest in the things of God. Pretend that I'm super spiritual. And I even use great spiritual language. You are right. You are good. Teacher, teach us the truth. Right? How often do we do that in the South? All the time. We use churchy language, which we get caught up in and we try to get away from sometimes. But the people that are visitors are like, what does that even mean? They a th to the end of every word in the announcements. I don't know what that means, right? I, and, and we got to remember that. But it's it's the it's the guy that comes in with the big Bible and seventeen different markers, and he's like, "Once this look, I I take the notes like this. This is how you really do it, you know. I got my journal that's thicker than your Bible that you didn't even bring." And we come and we got all our notes and all our bulletins, but we never intend of actually doing anything. It's a show. We hear it. We say things like this, when somebody's got some tragedy or something going on, I, I, man, I will, I'll pray for you. You're in my prayers. But we never pray. You know what would be the, a greater response for us as a church? When someone says, hey, could you, you, know, we got all this struggle, I got my kids sick, or we need to say, stop right there, whether you're on the phone in person, say, can I pray for you right now? Boom. That would be a better response than you're in my thoughts and prayers, tweeting in my thoughts and prayers. Right? So that, that, would, that would be not the pretend game. Right? When we, it's when we see a person, we're like, hey, how are you? Oh, God bless you. How are you doing? And as soon as they go away, they're like, that person's a crackhead. You can't believe what they do with their kids, and I can't believe that they would do that, and blah, blah, blah. It's a pretend game. Right? It's a facade. Or we, we know God's calling us to do something, and we know there's this, this, this direction he's been leading, this, this conflict we need to deal with, this forgive this person, this, you know, whatever, this hidden deal, this lie. And, and instead of dealing with it, we just kind of deflect it and like, man, isn't the government awful? Pew! Let's talk about the transgender debate. Pew! And we just kind of deflect it, and, and so we, the spotlight comes off us, and so we can talk about something else. Right? It's the pretend game. Or here's a big one, and again, it, it relates to the first one. We... Just pretend that everything's great. we got depression, we got anxiety, but we don't want anybody to know. So we come in and we put the smile on, and isn't it great? And, um, but we, we, as a church, I know, and there's a lot of people in the room, and it's easy to kind of fake it. But you've got to understand, that actually, when you pretend that everything's all right when it's not, when you act like you're this great person with this great this and the, and you're not, it actually hurts the church. Because the way I'm wired up, and I don't know how other people are, the way I am wired I need to know that you had a bad week. It actually feels, makes me feel good because I had a bad week. Not that I'm glad you had a bad week, but I'm encouraged, and I'm not the only one who lost my temper this week. And I'm not the only one who's tired. And I'm not the only one who sometimes feels like, and not wanting to go to work. And, not do, and so when you're all like, oh, I love my job. I love my job. It's the best thing in the world. And my kids are the most perfect, and they never do anything, and they get all A's. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear your kid got a C, you kicked your dog, your mother-in-law yelled at you, and you were throwing up all last night. That makes me happy. (laughs) Because that's my life. (laughs) But when you pretend that everything is perfect, and it's not. The reason you are in a church building this morning, y'all, is because you have needs outside of yourself. Every time you come to the Lord's table, you are admitting, I'm a sinner, I am lost. So can we get through the bull? And I stopped there for some of (laughs) y'all. Second service is wide open though. (laughs) But can we get through it and just be, I mean, I know it's kind of a Christian-y word, but can we be authentic just a smidge and say, hey, can you pray for me right now? Because right now it's not good. Man, that is big stuff. Because when you are proud that you won't admit it, God is opposed to the proud. But who does he give grace to? He gives grace to the humble. And we play the pretend game in the South so well. We just do. And if we're ever gonna have like a a, a deeper connection with each other and be more family, then there's gotta be some, some transparency in this, right? Because pretending means nothing. Pretending doesn't get you anywhere. I go to a lot of volleyball games. And what I've learned over the last four or five years of watching volleyball, the way the volleyball game works, at five minutes before the game or ten minutes, each team gets five minutes to practice, right? And so they all have their little routine and they practice, right? And I've learned now, you, these practice routines are pretty impressive. I mean, you know, these, these girls, yesterday we played a girl, she was 6'6". I mean, she's like, oh, ah, it's like Goliath. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just, right? But, and I'm like, they go up in there and practice. And it's like laser beams. And you're like, man, we're going to get killed by this team. Because they just it's, they just are crushing the ball. But what I've learned after five years is that doesn't mean anything. They can be all like Goliath and crush the ball. Because one it's one thing to do it right in that little warm up and that little practice when everything's simple. It is another thing all to do together to do it in the game when there's pressure and when the back row's got to get to the front row. And usually that team is so impressive there is not impressive in the game. Some of us are over here pretending and we're making it look real good. And boom, boom, and then also awesome i six six. I'm five six. I'll kick your tail. No, I won't. But but the idea is it doesn't matter what you do over here. It matters what you do here. Right? And you're never going, as long as you're pretending and playing, you're never going to get good over here. And so what Jesus is saying is like, hey, you don't need to pretend. What you do need to do is respond. You are made in my image. So render to God what is God's you are God's God, God wants our heart he wants you to love him with your whole heart soul mind and strength he doesn't want you God sees through your pretending do you realize that y'all he can read their minds he, he sees right through it he's not like whoa that took me for a whoo couldn't see that he knows you can be open with him because he knows and so I don't want to be a people who continually trade nearness to God and, 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 and true, true intimacy with God for religious activity to fill up the void so we can not think about it and deflect it. Or, I, or, or a spiritual lingo that makes us seem real spiritual, but not really. It's a game. If, so if the Holy Spirit today is speaking to you, and he, and he is, because He's alive and He's in you and you don't even need me he just sent me once in a while to encourage, but the Holy Spirit lives in you. If He's speaking to you, follow. Render unto God what is God's. What is God's? You are God's. Don't worry about your taxes. Don't matter. Hundred years, no one cares about your taxes. Right? hundred years, it does matter that you rendered under God your heart. Let's not play the pretend game, okay? Not the pretend game, not the fear of man game. One more game. All right, one more game. And 27 through 24, there came to him some Sadducees, those who deny there is a resurrection. All right, Pharisees, Sadducees, we get these these C's people, right? The Pharisees were like the religious group. The Sadducees were more of the political group, and and they denied a lot of things. They would be kind of theologically liberal in their day, although they, they held to the law. They believed the Mosaic law to the T, but they denied everything supernatural, angels, and and specifically a biggie, they denied the resurrection, right? And so he goes out of his way to tell you that because probably Theophilus, who he's writing to, doesn't know anything about them. Um, but they denied the resurrection of the dead, which makes their question they're about to ask so dumb, because they're going to ask a question that they don't really want the answer to. They just want to, to kind of get out there that they think this is dumb. So they come to Jesus and they ask him a question, saying, "Teacher." Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies having a wife but no children then the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother and this is called Leverite marriage what it was is if if and we saw this in the book of Ruth for those who hear if a man dies and he doesn't have an heir then his brother would have to come in and raise up an heir through his his brother's widow so that his name would get perpetuated so we saw that with Ruth and Boaz right Ruth and Boaz come together they have a son named Obed and technically he's the son of Naomi so, so this, is, this is so your name continues throughout Israel, right? So that's the context. So we say a guy has a wife and, and he doesn't have a kid and so she, she dies. And so the, the, they take up and they, and they come up with this ridiculous story. Look at this. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. The second, the third took her and likewise All seven left and no children uh, left no children died he's saying the first guy got married and his brother you know he died so he had to raise him up and another one and another brother and another brother you think by the fourth brother the guy be like I ain't married old girl <laughs> she's a black widow right black widow woman right but then, no all seven of them married old girl and then died and afterward then the woman dies because she had to go to seven brothers right and, and then here's the conclusion in the resurrection which we don't believe in by the way whose wife will the woman be? So when they're walking in the streets of gold, Jesus, which we don't really be, and he runs into, whose wife is it? Is it number one? Or is it like, hey, that's my wife. No, man, that's my wife. No, 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 that's my wife. And it's real awkward in heaven. And it's kind of like they're making fun. For there was seven. They're trying to show that the resurrection for them is dumb. They think it's a dumb idea. And you could just hear, you see all the people like rolling their eyes like, are you kidding me? This is the dumbest question I've ever heard. But Jesus is going to humor him. He says to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. He's going to say, you're, you're wrong on twofold here. The sons of this age, they marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain the age and to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die anymore because they are equal to the angels and sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. He's basically saying, things don't work in the kingdom like they work here. There's no marriage in the kingdom. You're not going to be married in heaven. You're, you're not going to, you know, it's gonna, it's, there's going to be a different kind of relationship. Marriage is like for right now, this age, when you get to heaven, you will not be married to your spouse. And I know there's a joke there, but I'm not going to use it. <laughs> it's different. Everyone's going to have this, this close relationship. Everyone's going to uh, have this unconditional love because there'll be no sin It's just different, you'll live forever, you'll be like the angels There's no no giving birth to to children, it's just just different So you guys are messed up first and foremost Because you don't understand that this is not the same as that But then the second thing he says is this But that the the dead are raised, even Moses showed And he goes back to what they believe. Moses He said the fact that the resurrection exists, Moses believed this Moses taught this in the passage about the bush It's Exodus 3, the burning bush when Moses comes and this bush is on fire and God speaks from the bush and he says, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He says, where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living for all lived him. He's saying when, when, when Moses came to the bush and, and God speaking through it, he doesn't say I was the God of Abraham. He, say, he says, I am. Abraham had been dead four or 500 years. He, said, he didn't say I was past tense. He says, I am right now as we speak the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob because I'm the god of the living his point is moses taught that there was a resurrection because god is because al- moses is alive and abraham is alive and jacob is alive it's not i was it is i am and so he's going back to their be- their book which they believe and showing them the resurrection's been taught from the beginning right right and, and so some of the scribes Say, teacher, you have spoken well. Now the Pharisees, who didn't like the Sadducees, are like, yeah. Now they're on Jesus' side because they believed in the resurrection. And it's just, now there's chaos in the temple because the Sadducees are like, and the Pharisees are like, we like Jesus, but we really don't. But at least he said something we agree with. But no one else wants to answer a question, ask any more questions, right? And then Jesus says, well, if you're not going to answer any questions, then I'm going to ask you one. How can they say that the Christ is David's son? He asked them a question. If you don't believe in the resurrection and, and, and all these things, how, how do they say that the Christ, the Messiah, is David's son? Because that's one of the titles of the Messiah, the son of David. For David himself says in the book of Psalms, and, and this is a little bit nerdy, greeky, but he says, okay, quote Psalm 110. Whoa, I've got to go to my uh, laser here. It says, the Lord said to my Lord. It's a direct quote right out of Psalm 110. In the Hebrew, the way it reads is this. Yahweh, the covenant name of Israel, said to Adonai, my Lord. All right, now Greek only has one word for Lord, so it doesn't come across. But in the Old Testament, the literal is Yahweh said to Adonai. So David is the king, and he says this, that Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my right hand, talking about the Messiah. So what Jesus is asking them is, how does David, the king, say to the son of David, and a son of, the, the, the descendant would never call his dad, the father would never call the son Lord. The grandfather would never call the grandson Lord. It was always an age thing here, right? The little guy would call the older guy Lord, but not vice versa. But he's saying, how does God, the father, say to David's Lord, sit at my right hand? If he's his son. It's a argue from logic. Unless that, Son of David was special Unless he was divine And what he is in essence saying to these guys And I know that's very kind of foreign for us Because we're not thinking in language of Old Testament things Is But Jesus is basically saying I'm that Lord David is calling me Lord God the Father is saying to me And David is quoting it sit at my right hand and this is exactly how Peter uses it in Acts chapter 2 when he preaches this great sermon about how how God had made Jesus Lord and Christ whom they crucified using this exact text the point is that Jesus is telling them right up front I'm Lord for those who ever heard this well Jesus never claimed to be God He, he, he very much did all the time some of it was a little bit veiled And the closer we get to the cross, it's more revealed. But he clearly here is saying, David is calling me Lord. How is that possible? Unless I am. And that's his last ace of spades. He throws it down. I am the one David speaks of. I am the one. Here's the third game. It's the agenda game. Sadducees come to Jesus with an agenda. They want to show how dumb the idea of the resurrection is. Right? They want to prove that he's wrong and they are right. And people use church and religion for agenda all the time. I mean the Pharisees did look at the next verse. And, and hearing all the people said to his disciples, he says to them, Beware the scribes who walk around in long robes and love greetings. What's the agenda of the Pharisees? It's them. They love to be seen, they love to be loved, they love to be esteemed, they love money, they devour widows' houses, they love long prayers, so people think they're super spiritual. No one loves long prayers. No one's like, oh man, he prayed, man, I have like 30 minutes, it was the best thing I've ever heard. That, but that's them, right? That's, they want to be seen, and he says they will receive greater condemnation for this. But how many people in churches, you ever, you ever meet someone that wants to be seen? So everyone else is wearing T-shirts and shorts. They wear a tuxedo because they want to be seen. They come, they come to community group and it's, they got the me monster. It's all about them. And they, and they dominate a community group. Some of our community group leaders are so sweet. They're like, they're coming to us. Like, what do I do about X? Because all he does is talk. got to shut him down. It's all about me, 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 me. Right? Happens all the time in the church. People that ask, I get questions all the time and I, I pretty much know if they want an answer or if they don't. They already know what they believe. Right? So just, if you're going to ask me, and you already have a position, just say, hey, what do you believe about this? Because this is what I believe. Don't think, like, what do you think about? Because you know there's, a, you know they're not there to hear, they're here to kind of test you to see how smart, or maybe to show you how smart they are. I have read an article in Bibsack. But it's, it's not, it's, it's an agenda. Maybe money is an agenda. We see churches, people use churches to make social contacts and business contacts and, and to kind of get their deal going. If I go to that church, they got a lot of people that can maybe invest in my deal. Right? Happens all the time. Or maybe there's a bunch of people in the social ladder that I can, if I can get in with that crowd, then maybe I can, you know, do that. Money is an agenda just like it was for the Pharisees. Maybe it's kids. Well, my kids are crazy now and they're about to be teenagers, so I better take them to church. Let Talavo fix them come on Tlava get him Tlava's good but he ain't that good right but that, it's an agenda or maybe because people just people love power so they try to get into a place where they can get close to a person that's got some authority so they can get, maybe they can get some authority and have, have some say or maybe it's just people want to manipulate God well if I go to church then maybe God will make me happy some people come to church to find a spouse it's not a bad thing it can't be the thing, but you should find, there's, this is a good place to find the spouse, right? But really, in the end, what is the agenda? What, what should the agenda be? The agenda is worship. Like Ethan said it right up front. It's worship. It's like this widow that Jesus says. Jesus looked at the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. He saw a poor widow put in two, sp- two small coins, two, two pennies. Penny, we walk. Away, we don't even pick up pennies unless you're like superstitious. Pick, see a penny, pick it up, and all day long I'll have good luck. Woo, got a penny, right? That's the only time we'll pick it up. Everyone else is like, penny, I it's not worth bending over to hurt my back for. If this woman puts in two pennies and Jesus says, I tell you, she put in more than everybody. They contributed out of their abundance. She out of her poverty. See, that's worship. She comes to the temples and she worships. She gives of herself. She sees the worth of God and says, all I got is two pennies, but, but I'll give him all I have. That is, that's the only agenda that the people of God gather to hear the word of God, to encourage each other, to sing the word of God, to just be with each other. That is the agenda. It's to make much of the sun. It can't be about you. Now, are you going to have needs met if you come with the right agenda? Probably. Are you going to be encouraged? Hopefully. Are you going to grow? Absolutely. But it can't be, that's my, my agenda has to be the worship of God. That's why, you know, our mission statement, the first thing, for the glory of God. It's right up front. It's not just some pasted thing. That, it's got to be that. Because he is the cornerstone. He's got the ace of spades. And y'all, that's so freeing. I'm just let me just tell you, it's so freeing because if, it, if there's any other agenda, it's you this, you that, this. I got a business thing. You will be disappointed because I will disappoint you. People will hurt your feelings. You'll be you know you you won't be entertained every time. You want to be entertained. You won't like this song. You won't you won't the nursery will be not what you think it should be. The parking should be bad. You will be disappointed if it's about you. But if it's about Christ, what does Peter say? You if you believe in that rock, you will not be put to shame. If you build upon the rock. And so this is just a great reminder, this text, is which team are you on? You playing across from the one? You guys, the ace? Some of you, I guess I should explain, when you partner with someone in spades, they sit across from you. Bad guys on your sides, good guy in front of you. You partnering with the one with the ace? As we kind of move to sing and worship and respond just a little bit, just ask yourself, look, if, if I'm honest with this text and transparent with you, I am guilty of the pretend game sometimes. I mean, I, I am. I don't have an agenda game, I don't think, that I know of. Uh, sometimes I have a fear of man game, definitely. But pretend game, that's, that's my big one that I need to work through. Which one, which game do you? And the beauty is, whatever game you've been playing, God says, hey, in the middle of spades, you can't change teammates if you don't like your team. I don't like him. But you know what? God says right now, you want to be on my team? Come on, get on. I'm going to win. I got the ace. In fact, my whole hand's aces. How do you do that? Isn't that cheating? Not if you're God. I got all aces. 13 aces, spades. I win every hand. Boom, boom, boom. In spades, it's cheating. In spiritual things, that's called good. And so God is saying this morning, hey, I don't want you to pretend. I don't want you to play. I don't want you to have an agenda. I just want you to come and meet with me. God desires to meet with his people. God loves his people. He wants you to be close. He wants you to be near. He wants to lead you. He is for your joy and for his glory, and so that's what he's inviting us to. So as we worship, let's remember that as we worship our cornerstone. Why don't you guys stand, and we will sing. Father, I pray for just this time of response, and if there's been games played, Lord, we're all guilty of it. I pray uh, just for forgiveness, that you would just show us that now, whatever one is us. I pray, uh, Father, just to Someone here that might be just like trying to act or put a show on would see that they don't need to act for you. That Christ has performed everything we need to and all we do is put our faith in the cornerstone, our rock. And we will not be disappointed. We will not be put to shame. We pray these things in Christ's name.